Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host Stephen Platt, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week we're watching Labyrinth, because it's turning 35 years old. Ooh, yes, them puppets are probably going to be in need of some refurbishment round about now because it is it is getting on this film but uh, luckily we have uh, someone who has seen the film and someone who has not as always uh, we are joined our guest who has not seen the film it's Anna Sheehy hello Anna hello hello how you doing oh brilliant thank you good good um Anna you've not seen Labyrinth I've not. It's one of those ones everyone's always shocked and appalled. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm actually really excited. There's no reason I haven't seen it. Just a mistake of my parents, <laughs> I assume. Yeah. So, so what do you know about Labyrinth? Um, David Bowie, mm-hmm. the mullet that all of my queer friends are now emulating, which is wonderful, mm-hmm. and the pants. So it's, it's, it's all entirely <laughs> centered around his and I have no idea I, I was talking about this with my husband yesterday my expectations and I don't know how big or small a role he plays mm. he the pants the, the pants or the, the, or Bowie. the whole man uh, <laughs> could mm. be five minutes could be the whole time I've, I have no clue but mm. pretty much centered around him entirely okay and, and are you a fan of uh, of Bowie's work um in a very general sense I think yes and definitely in a, a sort of stylistic fashion icon sense absolutely Excellent. Okay, well, luckily we have someone who has seen the film. Uh, it's got David Bowie. It's from the 80s. It's got Jim Henson puppets. Who else are we getting on? It's Tegan Mulvaney. You're not getting anyone else because I insisted. You did. I you... was very aggressive yeah. when it came to wanting to do this film. Yeah, well, look, you know, those squeaky wheels get the grease when they threaten to run over my foot. That's right. Um, Tegan, it, it's a pleasure having you here. It's a pleasure being here. Uh, particularly after a, a hard day of filming we, uh, yeah we did we filmed today we did forgot all my lines ah. it's fine yeah and they forgot the ones we had to keep yeah all the, all the important ones <laughs> yeah. it's fine it's yeah fine. You, you were good yeah um but now we're gonna settle down and we're gonna watch some labyrinth and i will try my hardest not to quote all of the lines <laughs> in this because i know them all mm. Mm. Just it, she knows them all. I do. She's she's got them all. They're in there. Not the lines. The things she had to do today. Just just the no, lines. No, yeah, just the lines that <laughs> I didn't need to do. Yeah, that are just burnt in my brain. Yeah, in a vague, non-spoilery sort of way. What can you tell us about Labyrinth? Uh, I will tell you that I'm giving this film ten out of ten. Okay. Um, when we that's, get to the scoring, that's kind of a spoiler, but okay. Um, so just putting that out there. Okay. That's not going to change. Um, it's. It, it's it's everything that is uh, the best parts of the Muppets, Bowie, and the weirdness of eighties film. I think mm. all mixed into one. It's just it's such a fun ride, um, and I'm so excited to share it. You know when we watched Spaceballs, mm. and I was really stressed because Spaceballs was a is like another movie like this which I've watched so much when I was a kid, and I was really stressed out because I was like, what if they what if they don't like it? Mm. It's gonna, you know, I'm really worried about it. I don't even care with this one. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just excited to watch it again. Excellent. And then maybe play the board game because I've got the board game at my house. Ooh. Well, uh, with all that being said, shall we watch Labyrinth? We shall. Let's get into it. Okay, for those of you listening at home, pop in those DVDs, load up those streaming services, and remind yourself of the babe. What babe? The babe with the power. What power? The power of voodoo. Who do? You do. 
do what? Remind me of the babe. I know that line from the internet. Yes! <laughs> Excellent. Yes, well, prepare That's to... That's all you need. That's all you That's need. That's it. So, prepare to dance, magic dance, as we watch Labyrinth. Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching The Labyrinth. And by we, I of course mean Tegan Mulvaney. Hello. And Anna Sheehy. Hello, hello. Anna, that was your first time watching Labyrinth. What did you think? I feel so... I think of all the films I've ever done, I feel the most put on the spot by that question. <laughs> I am still There's gathering... no pressure. I will not <laughs> hurt, maim, kill, destroy... Uh, anyone, I'm very mm. comfortable with critique for this film. Mm. I, I absolutely enjoyed it. Do I think I would... I think on the one hand, I would need to watch it many times to fully understand all aspects of it mm. and fully hear and understand the words of the songs that were just sung to me. On the other hand, would I want to watch it again immediately? No, because mm. that felt like it went on for a lot longer than an hour and 41 minutes. Mm. Partially because I was so transported, yeah. I think. Um, but also because of, I think, the nature of that kind of film. It was very mm. like Alice in Wonderland-y. And every, mm. every, like I used to watch the old Alice in Wonderland. Um, I think BBC did like a TV mm. episodic. And they were really long. And I remember as a kid, it sort of felt like, I know Alice is going somewhere, but suddenly there's the White Knight. And suddenly there's the Turtles. And suddenly there's this and that and this. Mm. And that felt very much like that, where you're just sort of like, where was the... I know the end is coming, but there's just this mm. constant stream of a new thing and a new element of this world and everything's so new and exciting and different, um, mm. but a bit overwhelming, honestly. Yeah, it, it's really interesting revisiting this film like in, in the aftermath of having revisited The Dark Crystal a couple of years previously, which is obviously the other very weird Henson 80s um, <laughs> fantasy film. It, it's interesting because my memories of Labyrinth, I, I realized are not that strong. When I was watching this, there was a lot of this film where I was, I felt like I'd eaten that peach and I was going, I just don't remember <laughs> lots of this. I don't remember the, the fireys taking their heads off and kicking them around. Like, like that was just completely gone. I didn't remember the junkyard lady. I barely remembered Sir Didymus, which is, <gasps> a, I know, which is awful wow. because... He's great. He's, He's the best the thing best. in this. He's so good. Yeah. Um, but, but I think it's also because it's been, for me, close to 20 years since I last saw right. this. And I was also um, quite ill the last time I watched this when I was 14. Because <laughs> you ate that peach. I ate that peach. Yeah, uh, no, great. I ate, um, I think I ate some bad shish kebabs. Uh, and <laughs> I had uh, a poorly tummy for a few days. And I remember watching Labyrinth, but I don't remember what happened in the film. Uh, it, it, it does have that weird quality, which... Um, which Anna says is that it, it feels timeless in, in both a good and bad way. Yeah. Like it does feel longer than an hour and 40, but I, I was enjoying it. But at, at times I was a bit like this, this is taking a while and I'm surprised by it. I think that's a, like thinking about, cause I, I watch it for, for what it is because it's been my childhood, my adolescence my adult my adulthood I my daughter my daughter like showing it to her it's so mm. much ingrained in mm. me um but it's really nice in a way hearing what you're what you're saying because it's it's unashamedly borrowing from a lot of different concepts and stories mm. um 
even to the point where that first foreshadowing scene is showing the Wizard of Oz and where the wild things are and yeah, things that. like that. And, you know, even having uh, the, the Teddy of Lancelot, it's, um, it was a, a, a very obvious um, adventure tale that borrowed from all of those places. Mm. Um, so it's kind, it's kind of cool I, I, that that's what is the first takeaway from it. Because mm. I guess watching, because you've got more of a reference of that before watching the film for me, that hearing you say that's done the opposite for me, where I'm like, oh, of course, mm. of course, it's, it it feels like that yeah. because it is literally that. It's it's all there on display. It's beautiful. Mm. I think what it does uh, show on this this 35th anniversary watching is that the design, not just the the visual design elements which are on screen, but the design of everything in this film was extremely well thought of like like it, oh, it yeah. comes it comes across as though this this was a film people worked very hard on and, yes. and it really shows in every scene it's still so cool yeah like there's nothing i mean apart from i think i mentioned to steven as we were watching like some incredible puppets like his puppets mm. are gorgeous by mm. anyone's standard now and then um unfortunately having to interact with some green screen technology which at the mm. time was groundbreaking and really cool and what a fun way to incorporate mm. these things that would be impossible now unfortunately like for me i was so there's fireys they're, is that what they're called they're fireys yeah that's they are it, gorgeous until they get to the green like screen bopping yeah. around in the no man's land of non-gravity yeah. mm. ground it's the only part i think really now that takes you out of the magic. It wasn't really used anywhere else, yeah. was it? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I must admit, partway through that scene, I was going, this is f***ing weird. Like, <laughs> and like, like we've, we've seen some real strange films yeah. on this If they program. were to cut a bit, yeah. you wouldn't lose much yeah. from just cutting that bit But, but that also, film. like, the, the things they were attempting to achieve, partly with the green screen stuff, which it, it did take me out a bit, but I also was more than willing to forgive the film that yeah you know give but also things like the the weird shaped creatures they were making by taking different body parts of each individual fiery yeah. and throwing them on i was like that's cool i actually want to see more of that i, I think yeah. i remember them saying they just got they actually did just get carried away in that mm. scene where it was literally one of those moments where you've got 20 puppeteers and all of these ways to play with a puppet mm. and they just went to town. Yeah. I think it was oh that's right. So um a couple of years ago they played this at um at Luna um mm. because in living in Australia is one of the puppeteers from it. Right. Living in Perth actually is one of the puppeteers wow. and he was explaining about that scene. He was one of the puppeteers in the fiery scene and he was just like <laughs> it was endless what they did. They just kept putting things together. So it almost feels like you know you know when you watch movies and there's those moments where you just feel like they maybe got a bit carried away. Like it was yeah. a lot things. funnier when yeah. you were there. Yeah, sometimes. Like, like, yeah. But the entirety yeah. of Moulin Rouge. Yeah, yeah, I get, I get. All of Paul Blart Mall Cop too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, I, I get it though. Like, like it was, yeah. it was. I didn't mind it though. Like, I think if it if the film was less well made in in other areas, I'd have gotten mm. to that scene and gone, "Okay, we're done here." This like, is, yeah. This is a really weird connection, but I recently rewatched Hello Dolly, which is a mm. fantastic film, 
And I was watching it with my husband who doesn't know much about musical theater, theater. And you get to this scene where they start to sing, hello, Dolly. And you're all back in this massive, gorgeous restaurant. And the waiters are all incredible dancers. And mm. they do all of these super bendy things with their legs and they throw stuff up in the air. And it's super self-indulgent. But because they're so talented, you don't give a shit. You are mm. so happy to see them perform. It mm. goes on for too long, objectively. Mm. But in that moment, I felt very similar with this. I was like, it's, it's going on a bit. Sure, it's a bit wacky. But yeah. part of it was like, you're so talented. Yeah. This is such an insane opportunity for you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, Do it. I, you know? I also feel, now that you've said that, and uh, we were talking during the film about the different posters on um, Sarah's wall and how they indicated. They're all Andrew Lloyd Webber posters. Well, yes. yeah, there was cats. Which <laughs> yeah. There was an Evita. Yeah, cats. Yeah. Cats in particular is like the ultimate indulgent plot. We don't need yeah. a plot. Thing. And a complete uh, dr- fever dream. But yeah. I think that's really interesting that that has obviously it's been, been chosen. Picked. It's been chosen because yeah. they've gone. We want to take elements from from cats, and I'm I'm not a fan of cats no. just in general. No. Like I've not I've not seen the film from a couple of years ago but i have seen oh, a recording of the stage show and it was um it, it, it happened uh, but but i really appreciate the fact that they've they've lent into things which were very contemporary at the time yeah. and, and the fact that she was the character of sarah was clearly so up on her folklore she was so up on her musicals like she had the the playbills there because her mum because of her mum yeah Yeah. but like the fact beautifully set up so quickly gorgeous and you see the photo in the mirror of um so Bowie so Jareth is actually the actor that's with um with the mum in one of the photos so that he's actually so the way whether this is a dream or reality is set up that um he is the figure she sees him because he Mm. was the lead with her mum in the play of the labyrinth that she'd seen like mm. there's just so many things in that opening scene mm. that are beautiful even you know it, it even it establishes why there's a masquerade mm. party in there too we don't there's no phantom posters on the wall but there's there's the masquerade party where she's the dancing um you know little carousel yeah. character too they're so yeah. beautiful and, and that's the thing that i think i really appreciated throughout this film was was that connection to this central idea which i think this film does better than the dark crystal um mm. it, the dark crystal i think is a lot more of of a classic fairy tale sort of um type world whereas this feels yeah like that like they've taken the alice in wonderland idea they've taken the wizard of oz idea and they're playing around with their own version of it and i, I yeah, for, for other issues I may have with the film, I think it achieves that marvellously well. And it, mm. and it really holds up. It, it, it did surprise me how much this film actually holds up. Um, I think it, yeah. it, it does play to the best, some of the best strengths. Like, I think there was definitely an intent when they were making it to make a commercial success because Dark Crystal wasn't mm. the success that they wanted. Mm. It was a, a Jim Henson dream to mm. make it and it didn't, as beautiful as it was, it confused people. Yeah. So this was there. You know, there was. They always wanted Bowie. They always wanted. You know, they they wanted. Um, and then he wanted creative control over parts of this as well. Mm. So there was a there was a um, really beautiful symbiotic relationship between mm. Henson and Bowie working on it. Um, and they they even did things that the Muppets do best: these stupid characters letting mm. people play. <laughs> I found it really interesting 
that you didn't hear your voices that you'd normally hear. Jim Henson's voice isn't there. Yeah. Frank Oz's voice isn't there, but their puppetry is, mm. which are, is really fascinating that they made those choices. Mm. Um, and even like if you compare it to the Muppet movie where they got Paul Williams to do, to do the music, like the music's not necessarily relevant to the plot in mm. this at all. Bowie's just written some fun songs yeah. and then they've gone... <laughs> All right, we'll put this in. He's, mm. you know, like he, it's all conceptual music that's been put in and made to fit, but it doesn't feel like it's clunky. Yeah. And Muppet Movie was like that with Paul Williams, like yeah. you know. Let's let's talk about Bowie because uh, th- this film's got David Bowie in it, and uh, he's Jareth the Goblin King. He's and, so uh, good. Yeah, Anna, as a, as the first time viewer, uh, how did, how did you find this this little Bowie trip we went on? It was really cute. I don't know. It was fun to see him as an actor. I feel like that's not how I think about him. Mm. Um, I wouldn't say that the character had an enormous amount of depth because he he, he was so... It was like kind of fun and like exactly what he wanted. Mm. He sings about it. He talks about it. And he's very clear that he wants this baby. Mm. He's never really tells you exactly why he loves this or wants this child so much, apart from the fact that he's been given it. Mm. And then he's just a sneaky little man with some very tight pants and yeah I thought it was really fun for him and it was it was a really cool character like I can understand why people um had such a massive crush on him like, oh, he up. was definitely a first crush first crush me. for you yeah mm-hmm. him and um tuxedo mask from Sailor Moon ah yeah they were my two very much in the same sort of wheelhouse <laughs> yeah. as well yeah uh, yeah he's he's really just very watchable in a way that in a way that I don't know could have been achieved with throwing in many other people from the world of music as as lead characters. Maybe Prince, but it would be real weird. Be very different. Yeah. Dude, he'd be the height of Hoggle. He would. They like <laughs> it you you wouldn't get that domineering. Yeah. It's, I guess. It, it, but I think it is just a really it's a really good performance. I wouldn't say it's necessarily like a strong performance. It's not, you know, like the the, the character he is playing is quite one-dimensional and I don't think he does a lot to, to try and play or push with that. He's being him in a music video. It's like yeah. him watching him in the Ashes to Ashes music video. Yeah. Because, you know, he, he was a performer. He was a mime artist. Mm. Have you ever seen the footage of him um, doing The Elephant Man? No. So he was in a production yeah. of The Elephant Man back before he was a um, music artist and there's um, footage of it around and the way he can move his body. Mm. I know he doesn't do it in this, but there's something about the stoicism and the way he holds himself Mm. that is so theatrical. Mm. Like it feels like an Alan Rickman performance. You know what I mean? Where you don't have to do much and you get so much out of it. It's the, Mm. the line delivery the voice, everything is just beautiful. You can, yeah, you're saying he's not doing that in this, but to be honest, I mean, we talk about the pants, joke about the pants, but there's not many people who could wear the costumes he wears mm-hmm. and look regal. Like, yeah. there was at no point I was like, oh, this is just some it's guitar not player mm. from a band who's yeah. just wearing some fancy yeah. clothes. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, he's king of the goblins. Yeah, like, yeah. every time he's standing there, he's like, this uh, is my yeah. domain, and everything kind of falls into line after that. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think... Um, it's interesting as well you saying about the first crush thing because I think the way he is presented in this has something of very much like a, like a young female gaze that mm. we don't often see in films particularly um, 
you know, from like this this Sarah character at the beginning of the film is is so wrapped up in her fantasies and her book yeah. of the labyrinth. She gets caught in the rain and gets told off by her mum. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that he turns up and is literally like showered in glitter. Yeah, and <laughs> that's is, right. And he's this you know sort of tall, thin stranger is just yeah. like. I've done what you wanted. I've taken the baby away. And, and it's, the thought yeah. that goes by, like nothing is nothing is done for no reason, mm. I think, in this film. And that's that's quite a beautiful... And it, I mean, when you've got a creative team like they had behind it, yeah. you, you wouldn't expect mm. anything else. But I, I think it's quite... It feels quite brave to, to tell mm. a, a film from that perspective. And I don't know if that's necessarily right that it should feel that way in, in terms of like, because it's just a perspective we don't often see. Yeah. But the other thing that I then really value about it as well is the fact that, that Sarah goes, oh, this sort of fantasy that I was having is, is he's problematic for starters because, you know, yep. he steals a baby mm. and mm. is very, very poor monarch of his kingdom. Like it looks very run down and things yeah. like that. And he's cruel and he's mean. And then the fact that she realizes that he has no power over her, says it, and that is like the big climax of the yeah. film. It's is, the first time it's, it's occurred to me that it's a real coming of age story. Yeah. Like, it was like. She starts off so awful and immature. She's such a child, yeah. <laughs> she, she set up immediately as, like, yeah, she ran into a room, like, being like, I never get to do anything mm. I want, mm. slams the door as we pass by, like, the cats and Evita, fo- like, posters. And I was like, oh, so you're a terrible theatre child. Yeah. You're just like an awful <laughs> self centered theatre child immediately. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're, you're just obsessed with what you want to do and mm. you've decided to tell a goblin to take your baby away Mm. and then at the very end yeah having like this moment of complete self-possession where she realizes as much as she loves her fantasies and she loves her toys and she loves this sort of world she's created Mm. it's not in control of her she's in control of it yeah yeah Um, i wonder if that changed because i have a soon to be 13 year old daughter so i wonder if that has just been my epiphany because there was mm. things that i was just seeing in there Mm. that i was like Oh, that's that moment in your life as a young girl, mm. possibly boy as well, I don't know, mm. can't speak from that experience, where you are transitioning from the child and the whimsy and the um, the magic, like in inverted commas, into understanding that um, you are your own person. Mm. You're not the product mm. of the pretty things yeah. that are around you. So I feel like that's, that's I'm seeing that in my own kid at the moment. Mm. And it's really interesting to well, watch a movie that I've just loved yeah. because it's stupid fun yeah. and be like, oh, it's deep. <laughs> well, you know, if, if in a year or two, um, a goblin king dressed um, in, in very tight pants turns up at your house, it might not be for you. You I'll just need like, to be aware of that. Maisie! Yeah. Although, <laughs> it, although if it were to happen in the modern day, it would probably be Post Malone, just there in the um, <laughs> stuff. It would be Harry Styles. Thank you very much. Oh, that would be fine. Point. Harry it Styles, yeah. Exquisite. I'd be like, thank you, Maisie. Very well done. Outfit. Okay. Well done. Not because I think he's hot, but just because he's amazing. He's he seems like a rad dude. He's rad. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Super rad. And still the only member of One Direction I haven't met, but I'll get him one day. <laughs> Have you met them? Oh, You've met oh, Niall Horan. Not only have I met them, I met them by accident. Oh, oh I've got to tell you my friend's Bowie Why story. Wasn't Harry 
Okay, Sorry. well, I'll, I'll, I'll very, tell you after. I'll tell, you. Very tell quickly, us that story first. Very quickly. Uh, I was in Amsterdam in 2013 and I was with my family and I'd stopped to look in a uh, shop at some shoes while they'd carried on. And then I decided not to buy the shoes. I turned around and I'm like, where's my family? Oh, they're like up the road. So it's going to take me about 30 seconds to get to them and I start walking. And it's quite busy on the street, but mm. you know, it's a big, it's a big city. You expect that. And I, I'm sort of walking through because I don't want to get lost. And there's this um, like row of lads in front of me, <laughs> four lads, um, just, you know, some guys. And they're walking and they're walking, you know, not too slow, but they're a little bit slow. And they're just a little bit in the way. And I'm slightly conscious of getting left behind. So I just push in between two of them. <laughs> and I just go, excuse me, you know the way you do in an airport when you're like trying to, yeah. And I just tap one on the shoulder and I push through and I kept going like, sorry, like, sorry, lads, and move through. And as I caught up to my family, my brother, who is more familiar with the ongoing pop milieu of 2013, <laughs> says, what have you done? And I went, what? And he went, that was One Direction. And I turned around and sure enough, the four non-Harry Styles members of One Direction were walking down the street and they turned off to go into a shop and suddenly the rest of the street turned to go with them and the reason the street was so busy was oh because i'd walked into a throng of dutch one direction fans and for a split second they all looked at you and went what happened to harry <laughs> <laughs> amsterdam has done some things to harry that we did not <laughs> yeah. expect oh, oh yeah no even back then even even mid-20s Stephen was uh, <laughs> Was not quite Harry Styles, but yes, that was that was the time That's amazing. I I very briefly was in the same. Do you know I, which one? Um, just for the the fan oh yeah. boys and girls out there of One D, rest in peace. Yeah. Um, which which One D member did you touch on the shoulder? Which believe, one have you touched? I believe it was Zang. Whoa, that's huge. Yeah, that's I've, huge. Look, the forums my, will be buzzing, Stephen, because yeah. Zane, a Zane touch. That's massive. My uh, put that in the algorithms for this one so yeah. people listen in to In my this personal thing. opinion, the second sexiest member. So that's pretty yeah. wild. My my nieces, um, who were, you know, maybe ready for their own coming of age uh, at this time, <laughs> when they found out that I'd this had happened, were furious with me for going, Why didn't you stop and say hello to them? I was like, I don't know who they are. I didn't know what they look like. And also I saw them from behind. Like, I don't know what the back of their heads look like. And they were like, I would have been able to tell. <laughs> from behind? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So. Uh, I like that they were still walking in a row. That's kind of Like, cute. that's yeah. like. Probably mostly like protection. Typical boy yeah. band. I mean, yeah. they seemed lovely in the brief, the brief moment that I was in the middle of a, of a boy band <laughs> walking line. Like, they didn't, they didn't go, oh, you don't do that. Oh, no, they said, but, yeah. they said, hey, man. You don't know you're beautiful. Yeah. That's what they said. They did. I felt very uplifted. Yeah. Um, you have a story about a friend who could have met David Bowie. Oh, I just have this great story. So um, I, a friend of mine, uh, a friend of our family, he uh, used to play session music for the band Something for Kate. And Something for Kate toured with Bowie many years ago when he was touring uh, Europe and Australia. And... You don't necessarily get to meet the people, the big these big band people that you you know that you're touring with. But one night, um, one of the managers came up to something for Kate, the band, and said, "Okay, so um, uh, David would love to meet you tonight. Um, they, they were in Berlin, I think, um, and um, Pip, who was the violinist for them, they were all obviously so excited because mm. they hadn't met him yet, but." 
they said he, he just wants to tell you how much he appreciates you being on tour with him and mm-hmm. he loves the music and stuff and they, they were like okay so just wait here and um he'll be he'll be along soon and Pip was like oh my god oh my god I'm gonna meet David Bowie um he goes I just I, I, I've just gotta he was so nervous he was like I just have to go have a quick cigarette so he had a, went out had a quick cigarette came back in and all the other bandmates were white as a sheet and just standing there with big grins on their face. And he walks back in and goes, what? What's wrong? And they went, we just met him. (laughs) You missed it. (laughs) Because he'd gone to have his cigarette and he gave up smoking from that very moment. (laughs) Well, that's incredible. Isn't that that devastating? I'm very sorry for Pip. Devastating. But I also like to think somewhere out there, David Bowie is just like, I made that man give up cigarettes. (laughs) What a great guy. This is the power of me. I also know that David Bowie had hair plugs because he dyed his hair so much in the 70s. He had to get hair plugs. Mm. So we used to call him Wiggy Stardust. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, Yes, anyway, back to Labyrinth. (laughs) Now I feel bad because he's... No longer with us, and we're—I'm teasing his hair. It's a little yeah. funny. That's okay. It's somewhat... pretty funny though, isn't it? It's yeah. funny. Lots of people tease his hair. And if you hair. can afford hair plugs, yeah, get them mm. for you. Absolutely. They look great yeah. nowadays. Actually, so... before we get back to to Labyrinth, Anna, any brushes with pop stars? Oh God, I wish. Oh no, I was about to say <laughs> it's not a pop star. It's someone I loathe. I brushed past Basil Zemplis, the mayor of Perth, Boo! yesterday, and I was so close to flipping him off, but I was by myself, and he was with some lady, and I didn't <sighs> want her to get caught in the crossfire of my loathing of him. So oh, no. that's definitely it, he was very movie. tall and very awful. Yeah, and I walked past him very quickly. So, okay, no miserable. Moving yeah. on. Okay, let's move it on. It's okay. You can borrow. You can borrow Nile from my anecdote <laughs> if you want. Yeah. <laughs> one day. <laughs> one day. So one day. Walking out of Santuros. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So puppets. There's a lot of puppets in this film. So many. Um, do you have a favourite, Tegan? Oh, I have a couple. Um, I love Agnes. That's the name of the get off my back lady. <laughs> oh, the, the, the junk lady. Um, yeah. So yeah. her name is her name is Agnes, and I love. Um, the little, um, the little cannonball one. Yeah. I hit something. I hit something. I hit something, yes. Hey, I just fired you. Um, they're my two favorites. Um, the one, my, my partner has a few Muppet tattoos on him. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a problem. Um, but, uh, he wants to get the, um, the one that talks like this, you know, it's, a, it's not that hard, is it? Oh, yeah. Goes, I wish the Goblin King would come and take me away right now. That's not hard, is it? <laughs> he wants to get that one tattooed on his arm oh, soon. Um, that's his favourite. So, yeah. I, yeah, I like the, the insignificant ones yeah. that you just hey, see around the place. They're all significant. Oh, right? they're just so beautiful. Anna, you've only had one viewing, but do you have a favourite? I have a very clear favourite. Oh, yeah. I love him already. Um, Ludo. Look, isn't he amazing? Any, monosyl- oh, any monosyllabic, <laughs> yeah. slow, sweet beast. I mm. am done for. I love, I love Ludo. Imagine being Gorgeous. in that costume as well. Insane. Mm. Is it just the one it's person? It's one person. Oh, God. It's, uh, the, um, if, if it does strike you, just find photos of mm. it. It's incredible. Mm. Incredible. He's so sweet. I, yeah. I know. He's Lovely. beautiful. Yeah. L- Ludo is genuinely lovely and it, when he cropped up i was like 
Does Ludo survive this film? Like, I was trying to remember. Oh, I was so oh, nervous yes. when he fell. Yeah. When he, he fell, I was I was genuinely traumatized. I was like, it's. I wasn't sure yet at that point in the film how dark it was willing to yeah. go. You mm. know, there's those moments where you're like, either he'll be back later, yeah. or we'll never see him again. Yeah, they're gonna never-ending story. This or he'll business. be in chains oh. or something. Like Jareth <laughs> will have kidnapped him and. No art, no art <laughs> Ludo, please. Yeah. Um, for me, oh god, there were so many great. I loved all the door puppets like i love yes. i forgot that i forgot about the door knockers i remembered the, the heads behind the oh, shield so cool. but the door knockers with the you know <laughs> and pulled the ring out and, and just because they looked metal they looked, they looked brilliant. like they were yeah. solid metal yeah. it was really impressive um, and also shout out to um Sididimus, who even though i forgot what a great character Beautiful. and the relationship between him and ambrosius yes that beautiful and the seamless changes between puppet dog and real dog <laughs> when you can see the real dog absolutely yes. legging it like down some channel of the yeah. goblin city it's fantastic it's just beautiful yeah it's it's great and, and the story itself which we haven't really touched on is pretty, is pretty simple it's mm. baby gets uh i was gonna say stolen but baby gets given away like sarah makes a Oops, pact baby yeah um, accidentally yeah. makes in, the pact invokes the goblin king he turns up as an owl Awaken something inside her sexually, I guess, maybe, or something. I don't know. And <laughs> then, the yeah, and then goes, baby's mine now. And goes, you have 13 hours to save the baby, or it's you have mine. 13 hours to solve the labyrinth, or yeah. else your baby brother becomes one of us forever. Thank Such you. a pity. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, she goes on this this big old adventure, uh, along with Hoggle, the best worst companion um, in this, in this adventure. The pissing dwarf. Yeah. Have but, you not, did you notice the... The, um, there's a motif yeah. of pissing dwarfs through the entire film. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that fountain yeah, in, when they get into the city proper yeah. was wonderful. Um, Hoggle's really interesting because Hoggle was actually the the puppet I remembered the most mm. in, in terms of that image, but I didn't remember him having his whole um, like coward story or him like constantly like sort of betraying and then actually betraying Sarah. Mm. Um, he has a he has yeah. a real um, arc. Yeah. He feels maybe the most storybook of all the characters, though. Like, mm. he feels like an old Hans Christian Andersen type mm. figure from a from from like one of those fairy tales. But I feel like he'd be the figure you'd be taught to not be like. Yeah. Uh, He's where, the grim yeah. type. When they, when they show the books and it goes Wizard of Oz and Where the Wild Things Are, mm. I feel like he's the grim tales mm. um, section of the... Mm. Yeah. Next with the Cowardly Lion. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's he's great, though. Like, he's, he's such mm. an interesting character. Um, knows a lot about Ooblets, which is just very pleasing. <laughs> and that puppet, that's... Um, so the, there's a um, short-statured woman in mm. that puppet doing all of the movements, and then the face is um, animatronics. So that is all oh, controlled wow. by someone off-camera mm. doing all of the movements and Brian Henson doing the voice. Right. It is... It's 1986, right? Yeah. Like, it's like the fact that they can do that is incredible. And it still looks great. Yeah. Like, like it doesn't look out of place with the world that they're in. No, um, no. Which compared to, you know, when they've got hand-controlled puppets um, and creatures appearing, the fact that Hoggle, who's got this very distinct setup, looks like he still mm. is part of that world is really impressive. Yeah. And then the fact it's a really interesting character, coupled with just all these 
great sort of like one note characters but played really well like Sididimus is just I'm brave I'm yeah. so brave I'm gonna fight you now <laughs> um, and, and then you have yeah like Ludo who is the, the gentle sweet giant Not, and no one said the worm which is yeah. a huge okay, I've seen that worm everywhere. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, oh, great. The worm's finally here. Another yeah. character I know that I've seen people get tattoos of. Yeah. I've seen the shirts. I've seen the little plushies. I assumed the worm would be back mm. the entire time. I was waiting for the worm That's reveal. That's just uh, He's so sweet. I know. Yeah. I want to know what's inside his little hole. And, and he's like, the missus. Oh, the missus, yeah. The missus, have a cup of tea. And I'm like, yeah. do it. I want to know. <laughs> Yeah. So funny. Don't go that way. <laughs> You'd have ended up at the castle if you'd gone that way. <laughs> Isn't that the best, the best part of it? it every char- so every character has a name. It's almost like the Star Wars universe mm. where they all have names. They all have these backstories. Mm. And I think a lot of that's due to the, you know, because the art direction is Brian Froud. Yeah. Um, who is the father of the baby of Toby. Yeah. Who mm. went on to create puppets in the new Dark Crystal. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. 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 Toby Proud, very much involved. Mm. Um, Yeah. And And a wacky looking guy. Did you see the interviews? (laughs) Little little goth steampunky, awesome. It's so cool. Yeah. He's a cool guy. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's a really just great film. Like, just a really great story, really well told. Um. Yeah, it, it, there are these bits where I, I I do feel as though the thing that maybe lets it down a bit is it's so it's so in its own world mm. that at times it does feel as though it drags a little bit. And like not all of the ideas worked for for me as a viewer, but to be honest, I didn't spend years making this film. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna crap on any ideas. Like the the man with the turkey on the head, we we didn't really need him, but. See, he, you guys was... didn't laugh at that, and I was so upset. <laughs> that was one point where I was I like... Need subtitles, actually, to be fair. He I is... at the beginning for subtitles. Oh, I no, was, I love the interaction with the bird there. kept interrupting, yeah. and he was like, like oh. Oh. <laughs> he was, Hey, will you listen to this crap? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it was a fun character, but a little bit of me was like, we, we actually didn't need that. But at the same time, you didn't need any of it. Lab- Labyrinth is, no. is is not a film that's been made for being efficient. Yeah. And, and you I, could explain this story in two hours and talk about how all of the puppets look and what they did in each scene. Yeah. Or you could tell someone what it is in a sentence and be like, oh, he um he kidnaps her baby and she has to get him back through this like mm. crazy maze. And you're like, oh, great, yeah. I understand the movie now. Yeah, cool, cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. None of it is necessary. You're right, but you, you're there for the ride, so mm. why not add it in? Mm. Exactly. And I really respect it for that. Even for the little bits where I'm like, didn't dig that bit but guess what there's another weird idea like two minutes away <laughs> and it was it's bloody great for that like and like yeah and you know and you only have to like even those bits that you don't really dig they're only ever about five to ten minutes long mm. yeah then the next bit comes along and you're like forgiving yeah it's it's very very it's just very good it's it's just fun and it was really nice to revisit 10 out of 10 no <laughs> quite <laughs> Would you guys like some trivia about Labyrinth? Yes, please. I would. Okay, all of this trivia is sourced from IMDb. So do I have to pretend I don't know it if I do know it? Sure. Um, I'm so shocked. Or, or maybe... Really? <gasps> no yeah, way. Or maybe you can just sort of nod like, yeah, yeah, I knew that. Okay. I'm really excited to mm. find things I can, out about I can this insert film. all the noises of someone who doesn't know okay. because yes. they would be completely genuine. Yeah, yes, all of this trivia is sourced from IMDb. So if it's not true, don't blame me. The owl in the title sequence is computer-generated. It was the first attempt at photorealistic CGI animals in a feature film. Wow. I mean, it's not great, but it's, it's clearly not bad. An owl. Like it's Yeah, you, right. you look at it and you're like, okay. And then you go, 
No, it's pretty good for a first attempt. I yeah. think they showed it to me a little bit too much in the credits. Mm. I was so into it the first moment. I was like, oh, this is incredible for the 80s. I'm really impressed. And then there was no other element to the, the, the <laughs> intro credit scenes. It was more owl, bring in the owl with the mirror beneath it and the mirror above it. Mm. Make the owl go, so he's going to peck it this time. Mm. But it's like the fireies again where they're like, look at all this stuff we can do. Let's just I keep mean, going. Once you'd modeled that, of course you'd want to pop it. And then <laughs> yeah. The guys who made the owl are probably like, more owl, please. More owl yeah. in every scene. If you give us another seven months to do so, we will put as much yes. owl in as you want. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, the various things that Jareth does with the crystal balls, the rolling around in his arms, etc., uh, were not camera tricks or any other kind of special effect, but they weren't performed by Bowie. They were performed by the choreographer Michael Moshin, uh, who was an accomplished juggler. Moshin was crouched behind Bowie with his arm or arms replacing Bowie's. Unlike a typical Muppet performance, however... He had no video screen to view his performance. Oh, so he was all by yeah. Yeah, that was all done blind. That's what the, I the, assumed. There's outtakes God. of this and it's quite funny. It's mm-hmm. just a lot of it's just so much of particularly the one where he's rolling it um on the top of his hand and the bottom of his hand where they're in the house mm-hmm. still and <laughs> the camera and it, he's like you know when we play um like expert double figures in a in an improv game where yeah. it's the or oh, when you watch Who's Line and there's the game where you don't have arms and someone has to be your arms. Mm-hmm. It's just that, but with a cape over it. So his head is like smashed up against Bowie's back. <laughs> his cheek is pushed up, and he's try- a very personal relationship. Trying, with Bowie. It, yeah, 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 that's it. It was very intimate, very intimate. It's really fun to watch, but to, to not do that, to do that by feel, and, and not just feel. He's wearing gloves. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, he's not got his bare hand out there. No. Like, yeah, so... And the camera angles that they do, mm-hmm. it, it's in, it doesn't look weird. Yeah. It looks like it's his arms. I mean, I assume for some of the shots they were able to put padding down, but I do wonder how many crystal balls they broke. Probably at least six, just, I'm going to say. Just a few. Although they, they could no, be... No, well, they'll be the solid... I think they're... They're like glass ones, aren't they? Yeah. For the weight. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know if they were making resin. I don't know if you can make mud of resin. I, I don't know enough about magic, ball well. magic. <laughs> but Do you know about ball magic, Steve? I know a little bit, uh, but not enough to help in this case. <laughs> um, the scene where Toby, uh, played by Toby Froud, as we've already said, um, is seated on the Goblin King's lap. Um, the baby has a fixed and hypnotized look off camera as Jareth murmurs evilly into his ear. Um <laughs> The reason for this is because Toby screamed so much during the many takes of this scene that something had to be done to keep him quiet. A crew member gave a glove puppet to David Bowie. It was a glove puppet of the character Sooty from the popular British puppet show. David Bowie had a Sooty puppet on one hand out of shot, wiggling it gently to distract Toby. (laughs) The child was entranced and was perfectly silent for the scene. That's so cute. entranced by Sooty. Yeah. I just said so at some point David Bowie has played Sooty as well. We just never got to see it. <laughs> Partial credit, <Yeah>. Sooty. <laughs> uh, um, a hoggle puppet got lost on an airplane and remained undiscovered until it turned up at the Unclaimed Baggage Centre, a store in Scottsboro, Alabama. When a worker opened the crate, he got very scared because obviously <laughs> there's a hoggle puppet. It is now on display in their museum. It wasn't on display thing. when I went there. I oh, wasn't it? No. So they oh. they um, cycle the display puppets mm. and things. And when I was there, because <clears throat> the Henson Foundation, Henson family gave hundreds of things to um, this place. It's in, um, it's in Queens, mm-hmm. uh, in New York. 
Um, and the only Muppet thing, the only Labyrinth things they had on, they had the Jareth costume and the Sarah costume oh, when wow. I was there. Mm. Um, and they had a lot of Dark Crystal stuff there at that time. Um, there was another Hoggle that sold like 15, 20 years ago for 30 odd thousand dollars, I think, but he was had half a face. It was the most oh, terrifying no. thing. Mm. I was still like, probably would have still bought that if I was a millionaire, but, um, but yeah, it had, um, disintegrated i guess because of the foam rubber um i would i would just wouldn't that that'd be my dream to have Mm. something like that it would definitely be your dream to have my dream yeah Yeah. this is very embarrassing but i thought you meant that the distribution center in alabama had its own museum where they had put the hoggle puppet forever and i was like (laughs) they just stole it and kept it yeah it's like this is ours now this is one of the many things we found (laughs) it's the museum of moving pictures i think it is and Mm. it's yeah it's got uh, 100% dedicated uh, Henson section. Gorgeous. Then it's got a props section, um, which is super cool. And at that time they had a horror display on, so they had like things from um, from um, Freddy Krueger and they had the um, prosthetic legs from Black Swan, you know, um, when wow. she's got the, the busted yeah. legs. Oh, yeah. So they had those there. And they have um, a section with scripts and they have all the scripts from different movies um, with the um, with the script editor's notes and things All on the them. Yeah. Um, I think I've said this on the podcast before. I'm not mm. sure, but because the, there was one there, there's the taxi driver script, and it's the scene, it's the you talking to me scene, and it's got um, continuity notes next to it, and it says take one, you talking to me, um, you uh, you talking to me, um, hello, it's me, like oh, the lines, and then take four, you talking to me, you talking to me. There's no one else here. You must be talking to me. There's a star next to it, and it says, "I think it. I think this is a good one." And it's like mm-hmm. you get That's goosebumps so when cool. you see it. You're like, "Oh my god!" That's wonderful. They it's didn't beautiful. Know. Mm. Yeah. Um, so obviously, David Bowie is is Jareth. Like, like the, there's nobody else that could have played him, or is there? Because uh, there were various other pop stars from the time who were considered. Mm-hmm. Even though obviously Bowie was very involved from mm-hmm. very early on, from very early on, but they 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 did consider some others. Uh, just a yes or no as to whether or not you think that they would have done it okay. Not not maybe as good as Bowie, but it mm-hmm. would have been okay. Michael Jackson. No. no. Cool. Good. Uh, I I don't think it would have worked. I saw the Wiz. <laughs> I don't know that it would have. He was okay for <laughs> he's that. He's pretty good in the Wiz. Oh no, he's okay for that. But yeah, he and he's pretty good in the say 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 clip with. Paul McCartney. So have I can imagine Michael Jackson in fantasy like that. Yeah. Uh, funnily enough, Prince, who I forgot, who I mentioned earlier. Oh, we Prince, joked about. Yeah. I can see it. I, yeah. I, I think I understand it. Mm. Yeah. Because um, he, he would have made, because Purple Rain was 84. Mm. So, and he's pretty fantastic in that. He's so comfortable being weird. I think that's yeah. one of yeah. the qualities they, they share. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Bowie was num- always number one. Yeah. Mick Jagger? Yeah. Oh. oh, that would have been so creepy. I'm so sorry. Mm. Like, oh, he does such a good job of keeping it not creepy <laughs> with a 14-year-old. And yeah, it's like very on the cusp of like her sort of becoming a woman. I've taken not... the world upside down. I've <laughs> done it all for you. Yeah, I did yeah. it all for you. Then, yeah. But the great thing for is, you. For you. I've done it all for you. The great thing is, is they could have had Keith Richards as one of the goblins and done no makeup. It would have been, <laughs> would have been great. Um, and Sting. St- oh, well, Sting could have been interesting. Mm. 
because he's a very good actor. Sting was apparently Jim Henson's original choice before his kids convinced him that David Bowie would yeah. be a better choice. Uh, and then they showed their dad the Let's Dance uh, music video. Um, Bowie was also keen to do a children's movie, liked the concept yeah. and found the script funnier and more amusing than many of the other contemporary special he effects wrote, movies. Uh, there's a, he hand wrote a letter on the script and he there's like, uh, yeah, handwritten notes from him to Henson saying, mm. okay, I'll do it. But Sting's great. Um, that, even though Dune is a god-awful film... Mm. He's so funny in that film. Yeah. Sting Sting could have done it. And he it, could have. It would have been very different, but I think it would have been quite good. Yeah. But, it w- yeah. yeah. Would have been maybe a more dramatic performance. Mm. Maybe. Yeah. But, but David Bowie is the correct choice. That's... Yeah. that's The songs yeah. would have been yeah. really different. Yeah. True. Uh, producer George Lucas chose not to do any interviews during the release of this movie, so not to steal any uh, thunder away from Jim Henson, who was one of his closest friends. Oh, that's beautiful. And a little bit of me goes, but you're George Lucas. This would have (laughs) People go like, oh, but I I also get the sentiment of like... You're right, though, because it wasn't a success. Yeah. It it wasn't a big hit. May have helped a little bit if George had gone, no. I am uh, working on this one, maybe. Hi. And people would have gone, ooh, Star Wars, yeah. Is that Kermit the Frog? <laughs> no, it's, it is a little Kermit. Now, my George Lucas impression is uh, is increasingly Kermit, now I think about it. <clears throat> Monty Python member Terry Jones wrote the first draft of the script for this film. He did. Uh, Jim Henson then let other people rewrite Jones's draft. At the end of that process, uh, Henson took it back to Jones, saying the script had lost all of its humour and asked Jones to put the jokes back in. <laughs> also, Terry Jones and Brian Froud did a lot of collaborative books together. Mm. Um, the Eric the Viking stuff, was that? No, the they did... Um, so, off the back of... They, they did um, Lady Cottington's Pressed Fairies Journal. Oh, yes. Then they did Quinton Cottington's Strange Stains and Mysterious Smells, which is a book <laughs> about... Um, so it's meant to be a Victorian times book where um, Brian Froud and Terry Jones, they find all of this old equipment that um, apparently is from the Victorian era, era because they figure out that stains and smells are living creatures. So they go and interview the stains and smells <laughs> and they um, write about their personalities and it's incredible. It's mm. beautiful. So all of those collaborative books after that were, were together. Right. I have somewhere terry jones's um autograph um from a a friend worked on a train documentary with him once and just got him to sign the back of a call sheet and sent it to me that's wonderful which is beautiful now that he's again no longer with us yeah I feel like oh sorry. So go, go ahead. Um no, I just felt like the scene with the creatures that were tormenting Ludo when we first find him mm. had a very strong um, <gasps> the Knights of Knee energy to me with the physical. So right. And that, yeah. like, when when they're all running around the maze. Yeah, when they're running around yeah. like that, or like they're falling over and bashing into each other. Like yes. was, that felt very Monty Python esque. Even things like your, your mother was a friggin' aardvark <laughs> Lines like that. Yeah. Or yeah, Sid so, so Didymus with the whole bridge like none shall pass, basically yeah. is what he was Absolutely. doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one of the choreographers for this movie was Cheryl McFadden. She also appeared uncredited as one of the masked dancers in the ballroom. A year after this movie, she got a role on Star Trek The Next Generation, the TV series, but was um, credited as Gates McFadden, and she plays Dr. Beverly Crusher. So Beverly Crusher from Next Gen is in this film. Which as one's she? She is 
just one of the mass dancers. It doesn't say which no, one. No, but in... Because I oh, don't know Beverly Star Crusher. Trek very She's well. like in the Mad Ward. She's Wesley Crusher's mother. Wesley Crusher, who is... So she, um, Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, I know, I know yeah. that. So, you know, she, she hangs around with... Because uh, my third... Beverly Crusher was also like Picard's kind of... Right. They've got a bit of a weird thing. Because my yeah. third crush was Data. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. That was my third. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. Maybe, so I, yeah, I don't absolutely. remember my... I just remember being like hot i knew a boy in real life who acted and looked a bit like data uh, and it was huge for me oh uh, confronting oh beautiful good to know good to know he's not an actual like robot but he just are we sure yellow had that awkward vibe but it was great <laughs> uh this movie jaundice this movie filmed next door to the film Legend from 1985, uh, which meant that the cast and crew of both movies often intermingled. Brian Henson happened to meet and develop a crush on Mia Sara, uh, who we ah. just saw last week in First Bueller. Years later, they met again and ended up getting married. Ah, But yeah, so Brian Henson, find a bit of love. <laughs> Could have had a Tom Cruise cameo in, Absolutely. in Labyrinth. Mm. In the beginning of the iconic magic dance scene toby is seen crying while surrounded by numerous goblins in reality the baby actor toby wasn't the least bit scared of any of the puppets um they had to wait until he was tired and wanted to nap to film the number Aww. so he was just a very tired baby i'm glad to scene. learn that i was yeah. i was a bit worried for him yeah i mean yeah i think he said when watching he's his dad was like putting that imagery everywhere and he was like yeah. working on it like crazy so it probably wasn't unusual for him and the, again the, and the outtake stuff it's just like because there's um there's people in those suits. Yeah. So there's, there's, it's just He's him. He's not alone. <laughs> it's just him being carried by goblins, like, mm. <laughs> like hoofed goblins, like playing with him in the street and he's loving it. It's so cute. The final bit of trivia comes from Brian Froud. He recounted that at a royal premiere of this film, Prince Charles was the only one laughing during the bog of stench scene. Scene or the, just the bog of stench. Just, so I presume it was all the all the fire noises. Noise. Noise. It's just Prince Charles going. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. They met again at the opening of the Museum of the Moving Image in London in 1988. At which time the prince recalled to Froud how much he enjoyed the bog of stench. <laughs> oh my scene. god! <laughs> I just like the oh idea of mid 80s Prince Charles with whatever was or wasn't happening with Diana at the time just taking some time out to be like okay but that scene where that bog was farting was <laughs> so funny and then wonderful. bringing um, Will and Harry and being yeah. like watch this <laughs> come on boys watch this one of, going, comedy. one of you's going to be the king of England one day and uh, you're going to love this listen to them pumping <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because it smells but we can't smell it <laughs> So yeah, Prince Charles, uh, the only one laughing at that scene, apparently. So well, he's the only one with a sense of humour, clearly. A- apparently, yeah. <laughs> so I'm sorry, but I refuse to give Prince Charles credit for anything. Yeah. So absolutely not. <laughs> Just sitting there, arms crossed, not interested. That's, <laughs> hey, that's you know, you're entitled to your opinion of any. That could be his thing. one thing, you know, like I everyone gets. Think, no, ev- genuinely, maybe his one thing. Mm. He's a massively immature person, so probably. Yeah. Just like, mm. oh, they're tooting. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, royal slander aside, Sorry, yeah, let's, uh, let's score the film. Uh, and we're going to start with you, Anna, because it was your first time watching Labyrinth. What would you give it out of 10? Seven, only because I, I wouldn't find it imminently rewatchable. Hmm. However, I think the quality is extraordinary. Mm. Fair enough. Tegan, are you going to surprise us or are you going to stick with what you said? What, what's the score? 
I'm going to give it nothing, nothing, tra-la-la, ten tra-la-las uh, out of ten. You almost had us though. Can't. <laughs> no. Can't not. No, it's fair. Everyone has, has those films. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm very open to watching a film again um, and being and being like, like I see the I see the flaws and I hear mm. I hear the critiques and I'm like it's totally bang on mm. and it's really actually quite exciting to hear critiques about a film like this. Mm. You know, sometimes you hold things really near and dear and a critique is like uh, let's fight. Um, <laughs> but this one, I it's really nice to hear them because but it's still it's it has such a zen experience for me every yeah. single time. And there were three new things I discovered in this film watching it just then there again. We go. This just blows my mind. Yeah. For, for me, I'm, I am closer to Anna's score than I am to yours, Tegan. But I really... If you give it a six, I'll fight you. Oh, no, no, no. I'm closer <laughs> the other way. It's okay, fine. good. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I really appreciate um, what what this film has done. Um, it, its impact on, on sort of popular culture. Um, it's... Yeah, it's just a really great film. Uh, and it was really nice to revisit it and to like get a proper sense now of of what it's about because I realised that aside from that other time that I watched it when I was in a sort of semi-lucid six day, I was a kid. And so watching it as an adult, it's a, it's a very different experience, but it's a very enjoyable experience. So I'm going to give it seven and a half worms out of ten. Um, I think it's I think it's really lovely. Um, one of the things that I've neglected to mention is I actually dressed up as Jareth for a costume party. Oh my god in 2012 wow and during the film i remembered this and i found the pictures <gasps> uh and are they going on your patreon i was about to say is this patreon this may, this will be patreon exclusive I content i will sign up to your patreon Ooh. uh but you guys can get it for oh, free I'm awesome. uh just here let me just pull it up uh Wait, how now, true to the costume is so how much I are we going on, to learn i about am only wearing tights you. but fortunately <laughs> Oh, no, there's, and underpants underneath. Yeah, okay. But, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. For, you use words properly, yeah. Stephen, to accurately <laughs> describe what we're about yeah. to see. Yeah. So I've pulled it up. This is from essentially Yeah, but stuff, have you got pants on? Yes. This is from stuff from a, um, from like a, your average costume shop. I, looking back on it and looking at the film, I'm like, oh, David Bowie's was better, but of course it was. <laughs> um, Here we go. This, this is me as Jareth, but without the eye makeup, sadly. You have the hair of Pamela Anderson for some reason. You look like... I love it. You look like an English teacher from 1988 I chaperoning do. at a school ball. I do. I'm so sorry. You do. Yeah. This like, the kids are going out. Mm. Got to watch the punch and make sure it doesn't get spiked. Yeah. Whatever the inherent sex appeal of David Bowie. I've not got it. Uh, <laughs> did you not do the makeup so at all? So baby face. I, I did. I did. I, I did have a bit of the eye stuff on, but it it doesn't come through. Um, it's just the baby face. That's all it's it is. So cute. Yeah, particularly because uh, yeah, there's there's one other one where I'm wearing the wig. Most of the other ones I found, I'm not wearing the wig. <sighs> Everyone needs to pay to see these photos. Yeah. Everyone. These are only available on Patreon. Only available, and for a good reason. Mm. So. Oh. If you want to see pictures you make of me, a stunning woman like, in those Thank photos. You. Honestly, I could see my David like photoshopping your head out just with the wig and yeah. putting on mm. almost anybody. Yeah. 
Well, that's that's fantastic to know. It's a really nice also jacket. Also, a too. Patreon. <laughs> yes, also a Patreon yeah. exclusive. Yeah, it was cool. I, there's no way I'd fit in it now, which is. I'm quite uh, impressed you managed to get that from a standard costume shop. Yeah, it's yeah. very good. Yeah, um, and then for for further context, there's a picture of me without the wig, and we were playing around with like Nerf guns. There you go. Oh, there he is. <laughs> there he is. Like Mr. Lord Darcy. I do. Mr. Darcy in a year ten Pride Prejudice yeah. production. Yeah. Just... I was in a production of Pride and Prejudice where one of the boys couldn't grow sideburns because we were fifteen, and his mum gave him a haircut, glued the hair to bits of card, and then glued those bits of card to his face for the performance. That's fantastic. You do what you got to do. Yeah. Gotta make, you know, make do. If you're Elphaba, you get painted green. If you're <laughs> fifteen and Mr. Darcy, you, you get your own hair glued to you by your mum. Wow. So if you want those very exclusive <laughs> pictures of me as Jareth, uh, they are only available on the Patreon. So please <laughs> go to patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast for, for that hot exclusive content. Um, and, and other things as well. There's a few bonus features, uh, including... Maybe a bonus feature we might record very shortly about uh, casting a Muppet version of Mad Max. But it might be there. It might not. You won't know unless you join up at Patreon. We're also available on Facebook. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club there. In your Facebook search engine. Give us a like and you get news and updates. And a new car. And a new car. Nope. Can't promise that. Uh, I, I can only afford mine. And it's not new. And for the, uh, those of you who are like, man. This was a great episode. Oh, but if they do it every week, do I have to log on to my computer, search, go to www.google.com forward slash search and yes. type in the Cinema Catch-Up Club and look for other episodes? No! We've, oh, no. We've made it easier. Uh, you can just subscribe. You can find us <laughs> on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify. You just hit that button once and we're with you forever. So uh, commit to a long-term relationship and go to <laughs> iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud and search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. But that is all for this week. So until next time, goodbye. What a pity. <laughs> <laughs> You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.